Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. All right, let's get into, um, let's get into some of these uh, questions here on the, in the mailbag. If you want to email questions in, mailbag at gmail.com. Joe Q is a regular in the mailbag. He's got a couple of questions here. And he asked this, what can we glean about the quarterback direction from D'Amico's immediate experience? They won a lot of games with a journeyman veteran that they plan to cut, Jimmy G, and a seventh-round pick, Brock Purdy. Meanwhile, they lost to the Bears with their high first-round pick playing quarterback, Trey Lance, obviously. Um, might he think scheme trunks trumps QB pedigree? Um, he was asked about this in his press conference, John, and he made a point that it's about the strength of the whole roster, not just quarterback. That said... How do you think that D'Amico's experience in San Francisco might affect his worldview on quarterback heading into the draft? Well, first of all, he knows the 49ers are much more talented than the Texans are. Mm-hmm. Got a great defense, got a good offensive line, got good running backs. They had five backs rushed for at least 232 yards. Texans had one. And so he knows they need a quarterback. And uh, if they deem one of those guys, Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud, as the guy, I think they'll take him. Uh, because if you don't have the quarterback, you're just twiddling your thumbs. And it took Kyle Shanahan a long time to get there. He was hired in 17, and they lost that Super Bowl to New England. And then they've been in championship games. and and uh, But they have done a tremendous job of acquiring talent between a combination of the draft and trades for veterans. And uh, that should be the model organization for him because that's what he knows best. Um, also says as a follow-up to that one, Joe Q says, do you think after watching Purdy and Johnson laid waste by the Eagles defense, they're a little bit bigger than Bryce Young. Would D'Amico say NFW? I'll let you, you know what that stands for, John, to 5'10", 190. Yeah, he's going to, he's working with, Bryce Young's working with a nutrition, try to get over get up to 210 by the combine. I know mm-hmm. Kyler Murray got up to 2007. Kyler Murray's injured, but he was not touched. You know, teams are not worried about Bryce Young getting hit and being out. They're worried about the wear and tear of an 18-week season and 17 <clears throat> games, and you hope at some point playoff games, and that is an issue. And I'll be at the combine when he's weight measured. Kyler Murray was in the same boat. How tall is he going to be? Nobody believed what he was listed at Oklahoma. If if Bryce Young is five eleven and over two hundred, people will be happy. Yeah. If he's five ten and still weighs one ninety, only quarterback drafted in the first round less than two hundred, then there's going to be an issue. And they may not even draft him. They may like C.J. Stroud better and Paris the thought, but Will Levis. Uh, 
Joe Q, last one, he points this out. He says, you're a gambler. I think he's talking to me, not you. Yeah. Um, when you look at QBs drafted one and two over the last few years, what's your money line in Bryce or C.J. Stroud working out? And this is an interesting list, John. This is from 2015 through 2021. Here are the quarterbacks that were drafted one or two. There's 10 of them total. Jameis didn't get to a second contract. Mariota didn't get to a second contract with the teams that drafted them. Jared Goff got traded by the team that drafted him. Carson Wentz has been traded twice now since he was given his big contract. Mitchell Trubisky on a different team, didn't get a second contract. Baker Mayfield on a different team, didn't get a second contract. Tyler Murray, probably an undeserved second contract, at least so far. Joe Burrow looks like the real deal. I think Trevor Lawrence is trending the right way. Zach Wilson might be out of the league in two years. That's not something that gets you super excited about drafting one, one or two, does it, John? No, but I think anybody that, that puts a lot of stock in that, it depends on who the coach is, what the team is, yeah. the talent around him. Like Zach Wilson was rated highly by just about every scout. They didn't yeah. think he should be the second pick. So if he's bombed out, some of that's got to be the blame is going to be on the Jets. And uh, he's been up and down. He needs to be out of there. It's a tough media market. Uh, he said he didn't work hard. Those are the kind of things you should have found out before you drafted him. All the people who scouted him, that'd be pretty easy. You talk to the trainers and the equipment people and the coaches and find out if indeed that's true. So, yeah. um, you know, Burrow was a great talent. There was unanimous about him. as unanimous about Trevor Lawrence, just like it was Andrew Luck. Whenever they came out, they'd be number one overall. And uh, But all those others, nobody, they weren't generational talents. And Mayfield was surprised when Cleveland decided to take him number one right before the draft. Nobody wanted Kyler Murray before the draft, but Cliff Kingsbury. So, and, and you know, Jameis Winston, uh, I remember Bill O'Brien loved Jameis Winston. Mm -hmm. He knew he wasn't going to come here because McNair's would have had him off the board because of his women issues. And uh, Mariota, uh, I remember when the Titans took him, nobody said he was going to be a generational talent. And nobody's saying that about these two quarterback prospects or Will Levis or Anthony Richardson. You know, they could be that D'Amico says, we'll take a veteran or the new coordinator likes Davis Mills. And then they, take Anthony Richardson at 12 and sit him for a year. That's the guy that scares me, the people that that are in awe of a quarterback throwing the ball 75 yards accurately when he has nobody rushing him and has nobody covering the receivers. I remember Jamarcus Russell threw a ball perfectly 80 yards. Al, Al Davis fell in love with him. There was a quarterback for the uh, Ravens. I can't remember backup, threw it 80 yards. You know, who cares what they throw yeah. when they're in shorts and T-shirts? And yet you look on social media and you see all these people raving about a guy that does that, which is preposterous. Yeah. I just it's, I'll answer the money line question for you, Joe Q, since I'm the gambler. And if we're the definition of Bryce or Stroud working out, I guess my definition of a quarterback working out, John, is do they get to a second contract with that team? You know, if it's a, like Kyler Murray, I, I think Kyler Murray not, might, might not be worth the might not be worth the money and we'll see how it plays out with him. But so far he's, I mean, he's worked out, you know, like it's, it's, it's up in the air. I would say for, I, I would put a higher, I would put a higher grade on Bryce Young. I would say Bryce Young's odds of working out, I'll say minus minus one twenty. So that's about like between 55 and 
And I would say CJ Stroud, maybe a little lower than that, maybe more like 50-50, maybe 45%. And people are going to go, they're the number two pick in the draft. Yeah, yeah the, there's a lot of variability that goes in, as this list seems to indicate. I do think, maybe pump that number up a little bit, because like you said, I think D'Amico is going to end up hiring a good offensive coordinator. You're right, coaching is really important in this, John. I'm going to say Stroud, 65%. No, Stroud, 55%. Bryce Young, 65%. There you go. That's my odds. Both those guys are accurate. Yes. And both of them are very smart and make good decisions. And those are so important in the NFL, much more important than arm strength and size that everybody's talking about right now. It's one of the things I love about the combine where you can see their real size. It's amazing how many shrink from their size in college. Yep. Um, Derwin in Cyprus sends in a question, John, I, and and he talks – it's about running back, the running back position. I do think the Texans are going to be in the market for a veteran running back this offseason. I know you're going to miss Rex Burkhead if he's not there anymore. Um, miss watching him touch the ball 10 times a game. Um, could Kareem Hunt end up as a Houston Texan? Has his incident surpassed him, or is that a no-go as far as character goes? Of course, Kareem Hunt, John, got caught on a video – Kicking a woman, right? In a kicking a woman who was on the ground. Yeah. Um, I yeah, feel like that's I, a non starter for D'Amico Ryan's and the Texans. And it's not like he's been any good since he's a backup to Nick Chubb and he wants to get more carries and more money. I think that if Nick Serio does not give them a guy to share the workload, he ought to be fired because last year they finished 31st in rushing with Damian Pierce missing those last four games. They have to get, with the rigors of a 17-game schedule, you have to get a back who can carry the ball and take the load off of the starter. Yep, agreed. Uh, Clifton Buchanan asks, John, drafting a QB at two and failing to get a number one wide receiver at 12 is the very mistake Buffalo made with Josh Allen. I hope we follow the Bengals instead and get a number one wide receiver instead of going defensive with the number 12 overall pick. I guess the one thing I would point out to you, Clifton, on the Buffalo comparison is they they did trade a first-round pick to get Stephon Diggs. So they did use first-round capital to go get Josh Allen, his, his main target. Seems to have worked out pretty well there. Um, what are your thoughts, John, on the I, – I know you've said that you think they're going to go defensive at number 12 if they draft a quarterback because of – D'Amico's background, but what are your thoughts on the the strategy of immediately giving your young quarterback another young weapon to to coalesce with? And there's no guarantee it'd be Quentin Johnston. I've seen some of these these media scouts that I trust because they're former players or GMs and they watch a lot of tape or guys that I trust just because they've been proven right a lot who don't think he's clearly a number one. Uh, the first receiver overall because they talk about some issues he has with consistency. And and so um, if they did take a receiver there, they'd be very damn sure that guy is going to come in and start and help the rookie quarterback. Yeah. I still think it'll be a defensive player if indeed it is a quarterback with the first pick. You know, Brandon Cooks has got to go. they got to get rid of him. He's got to be gone for whatever – draft pick Casario can get. He's got 11 now. Maybe he could get another five or six and package that to move up for another player like uh, they got Damian Pierce last year with the Browns pick in the fourth round. But whether they do it in free agency and what they and that'll have a lot to do with it. Last year, the Jaguars signed two receivers and a tight end in free agency and everybody thought they overpaid. 
and all of them helped them win a division in a playoff game. And uh, so maybe they'll hit a home run like that. I'm kind of guessing, Sean, they'll sign one veteran and they will draft a receiver, if not in the first round, in the second round because they know a rookie quarterback's got to have help. They yep. need a center. I got all this in my column on sportsradio610.com going over every position that they need. Now they may acquire them. And, uh, and of course, it would be great if you could get a Justin Jefferson or a Jamar Chase. Oh, yeah, that would be phenomenal. But that would if be... you get a T. Higgins in the second round. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. Absolutely. No, they got, Brown, second round. They got five in the they got five in the first seventy five picks, and they get John Mechie coming back this year too. Um, we we you know, can't forget that. So, um, another draft question. This is almost the flip side, the opposite, the inverse of what I just talked about here. Um, Alfredo says a hypothetical question. Let's say Casario and Ryan's decide to go with a defensive player with the second overall pick. What would you think if Davis Mills stays as the starting quarterback for the season coming up? Ryan's is the new head coach. I feel comfortable whoever he brings to coach up Mills. Mind you, I would love for the Texans to draft a quarterback with that second pick. So this is a Utopia listener, John, who says he wants a quarterback. But what if what if Davis Mills was the starting quarterback? Do you give any do you give anything than a great do you, do you give a greater than zero percent chance that Davis Mills is the starting quarterback for this team in week one? Hey, they're gonna have a new quarterback coach, they're gonna have a new offensive coordinator. If those guys uh now they saw Mills at the end of the 2021 season and mm-hmm. and he didn't play well. Of course, 49ers had a great defense. Trey Lance played better, but if they go back and they watch all the tape and they're reminded that he only started 11 games in college at Stanford. And uh, if they decide we want to ride with him another year and draft a quarterback, but not with that first pick, if that's what they think, that's fine with me. They know more about it than I do. I trust in D'Amico. And so I don't think that'll happen. I think whether it's a veteran or a rookie mills will be the backup and, uh, Give me him as a backup with a new coach, with a better coordinator, a better quarterback coach. Just, oh, God, they were bad last season. Yeah. And uh, I'd feel a whole lot better about the progress he's going to make and the way he's going to bounce back from a disastrous second season that was as much their fault as his. I would go, John, tell me if I'm crazy with these percentages. I'm going to go 60% chance it's a rookie quarterback starting week one. 35% 35% chance it's a veteran bridge quarterback of some sort. 5% chance it's Davis Mills. How's that sound? That sounds great. I hope you're right. I'd put the 60 higher. Okay. Because they know if they like one of those quarterbacks and everybody likes them, you know, Mel Kuyper's the only one that likes Will Levis more. Yeah. Which doesn't, you know, it doesn't phase me in the least bit. No. But, but I watched those other quarterbacks. Bryce Young, almost every game he played last season, uh, as many C.J. Stroud games as I could. And those guys got what it takes. They played big games. They're they're tough. They make good decisions. They're not boomer bust guys. Yeah. And, uh, and how well they do depends on the coaching and the people around them. So I think it's a better chance of that. And uh, But we don't know what D'Amico wants to do. You know, he knows Garoppolo really well. If he hires Bobby Slowick as his coordinator, he knows Garoppolo very well. And uh, so does Nick Casario. But, uh, boy, you talk about putting some water on that fire that's raging right now among the fan base. That would do it. 
Yeah, I think so too. Um, John, along those lines, stylistically, offensively, pharmacist Glenn has a question uh, to the mailbag. Um, if D'Amico goes with a Kubiak-Shanahan-style offense, does that mean the return of zone blocking? If so, how does that affect our current O-line? Do we have the right personnel for that? Have you talked to anybody, John? Or do you, I mean, I'm sure you have an opinion on it. I would love to sit down or at least talk to uh, like an O-line coach or somebody who's coached that scheme to know what they think of this group of Texans offensive linemen. They clearly weren't drafted to play in a Kubiak scheme, but they're pretty invested in this group right now with all the draft capital and in and, and the case of Tunsil and Howard, money invested in those guys. How do you think this group would do playing in a Kubiak-Shanahan scheme? Tunsil's talented enough. He can play in any scheme. I'm yep. assuming Titus can. Titus is going into last year of his contract. He wants a big contract. And uh, they need a new center. I expect, you know, Kenyon Green played so many positions at AM, all of them. I don't know. He moves pretty well. Uh, the old thing, Broncos had the lighter lineman because they had to hit, get out up on the second level under Mike Shanahan. Um, and Kubiak went, had a really good offensive line at one point. Mm-hmm. O'Brien had him one year, and then it started to fall, go south when they left or retired. Chris Myers, the center's case. And uh, so what they need is a center, whether it's a veteran or it's a rookie. I'm guessing A.J. Cann's going to be back at right guard. There's a chance George Warrock could be back as offensive line coach if D'Amico likes him. I've heard Jacques is there, the Defensive line coach is coming back, and Bobby uh, Ross, um, Ross Frank Ross, is uh, there's a good chance he's going to stay. But mm. uh, as far as the scheme, I would think yes, it's going to be the scheme we've seen with the 49ers, scheme we saw with uh, Gary Kubiak, and it was all started by Mike Shanahan and then and Bill Walsh before him. Okay, that's new news, John. I'd not heard that about Jock Cesare, that he's coming back as the D-line coach. Well, I'm not saying he's there. I just had a, a person tell me that they thought he was back. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. And Frank Ross, too, you're hearing good things about? Uh, yeah. Okay, well, that'd be good. That'd be great if they kept Frank Ross. That's a that's a nice get. He did a nice job with the with the special teams. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. All right, a couple more here, John. A reminder, mailbag at gmail.com if you want to email us questions. Chris in the ATL, he always has fun questions. Um, we're ho- you're hosting a Super Bowl party, and your better half has attached you with the menu. What are your must-have food and beverage items for a Super Bowl party, John? You know, I don't want John, to have you ever, John, the serious question, have you ever been to a Super Bowl party? You've been covering Super Bowls all these I've years. never been to a Super Bowl party. And uh, last year, the party was Carol and I. And she made different things in waves that you can get at the game. Okay. And uh, I'm going to have to get a lot of exercise after that night. <laughs> and uh, but and I don't care. I want to watch the game. One of the reasons I don't like to go to sports bars and I wouldn't want to go to a party is people talk too much. And I want to be 
right in front of the TV where I can hear. I like being in front of the TV at home much better than in the press box. Yeah. In the press box, it's loud. There's distractions. You can't hear. They give you an earpiece to put in where you can hear radio or TV broadcasts, but half the time they don't work. Give me right here in front of my little 28-inch TV. My here's my thing, John. The my I, I need a good assortment of dips, you know, to dip chips in. Particularly, yeah. there's a creamy buffalo dip that Amy makes. It is outstanding. Mm. It's very, mm. very good. It's like a, it's like you know, the chicken is like kind of almost smushed up, almost liquefied, and it's got the buffalo sauce in it. It's really good. I like an assortment of finger food where there is actual representation for vegetables and charcuterie stuff, and you know, like I. I, if I can mix in a few celery stalks and uh, some some cherry tomatoes and stuff, it washes away some of the inevitable guilt that I have at the end of the day. So, <laughs> so I like that as well. The best Super Bowl party, and obviously, as far as beverages go, I, I'm cool with just big coolers full of cold beer. That's all I need. That's that's I'm I'm good with that. Particularly Yingling traditional lager or Yingling flight. In case my Yingling guys are listening right now, um, they're bringing me some beer for the Super Bowl. The best Super Bowl party I ever went to, John was in 2005 so it was the 2004 season that was the the I was gonna say the Sixers the Eagles and the Patriots in Jacksonville and this is when I was VP of sales for my company I worked for I was living in Chicago the CEO of my company lived in a mansion in Chicago and he had a Super Bowl party every year in this basement of his that was incredible. Like the, he had the ultimate man cave. This place was unbelievably through a huge Super Bowl party every year. And his thing was he would do food from the two cities that were involved in the Super Bowl. Wow. So that, so cool that one, that? he had all kinds of cheese steaks. He had clam chowder and all sorts of new England style seafood he had hot women dressed in in skimpy referee outfits walking around with the trays. And I still have this to this day. I have the squares, the paper that had the squares on it for that Super Bowl because he was also on the board for the Italian-American Sports Hall of Fame in Chicago. So Tommy Lasorda was at this party. <laughs> Vinny Pazienza was at this party. There were like two or three other Italian Sports star. Phil Rizzuto might have been there. I don't know. Tommy Lasorda was for sure there, John, because I still have the squares from that party with Tommy Lasorda's name on two of the squares. I kept that. <laughs> That's hilarious. If I yeah. ran a Super Bowl party, I'd bring a bunch of former players yes. uh, to it to hang out and talk about the Super Bowl and stuff like that. But yeah. Oh, yeah. I like being glued in front of the television. Yep. I do too. I That's what people have been asking me this. So, where are you watching the Super Bowl? Where are you watching the Super Bowl? Um, my couch. That's <laughs> why so I'm watching the Super Bowl. I, I like watching call them right after it, so I have to pay attention and uh, be ready to go soon. Yep. So go find that buffalo dip, though. I'm telling you, it's really, really good, and you can talk yourself into it being somewhat nutritious because it's got the word chicken in it. So there you go. <laughs> um, John, um, I know I asked you this on the air today, but I'll bring it up here again because we talked about this. Are you worried that we're not going to get our last eight episodes of your favorite TV show, Yellowstone? No, we're supposed to get the last day. It said this would be this would be it based on what I read on deadline. Okay. And Cosner is he doesn't want to spend as much time filming because he has another show he's coming out with mm -hmm. in which he's the star and it's multiple parts. And he's he's his character now in the last couple of years is not as interesting to me. Yeah. Agreed. I like the other characters better. 
And if they somehow bring in Matthew McConaughey, Taylor Sheridan, the producer, the creator of like 10 shows, is talking McConaughey about a role in Yellowstone in which he could be on the, they're not sure if they're on the Yellowstone property or somewhere else. Okay. If they take their characters. I like a lot of the characters on there, the peripheral characters. And, uh, and so I'm eager to see what it is. And if Costner wants to move on, let him move on. John, you know, he twisted my left nipple at the Super Bowl one year. Did he really? Was Did I tell you that story? Affectionate? No, it wasn't, no affectionate. it wasn't affectionate at all. He may have thought it was affectionate. We were interviewing him on Radio Row in New York City. Remember when the Super Bowl was in New York City? Yeah, he was tw- there promoting that uh, movie. Draft Day. He was, was it Draft Day? Okay. Yeah. Him and Jennifer Garner were making the rounds on Radio Row. So Rich Lord and I, this is before, this is my first month with the station. This is before they put Ted with us and we made us, it made us the triple threat. It was just me and Rich. And we're interviewing uh, Kevin Costner, who's sitting at the, you know, sort of the end of the table where our guests would sit. And I was sitting to his right. Rich was sitting to his left. And Rich is asking a question. And it's kind of a long-winded question. So while the question is being asked, my phone is on the table and it starts to ring. Kevin Costner picks up my phone to look at it, thinking it's his phone. Like he's seeing who's calling. And I kind of lean in while Rich is still asking the question. And I whisper, like off mic, I'm like, and I kind of take the phone out of his hand. I'm like, hey, that's my phone. You know, just like, it's cool. It's my phone. Don't worry about it. Costner just looks at me with this stupid grin on his face as I'm taking my phone back, reaches out with his right hand, grabs my left nipple, and twists it really hard. <laughs> For no By reason. the way, you and Rich are in my Super Bowl memories column that's oh. on uh, gallerysports.com. Y'all are in the first one. Are we? Awesome. Yep. Okay, don't tell me what it is. I can't I'm wait to not. go read it. You're going to have to read it. Okay, I can't wait to go read it. But yeah, I was, uh, well, depending on how you look at it, I was either accosted and me too by Kevin Costner or <laughs> I got to second base in an amorous moment with him. Either way, it was, but yeah. He, it's so, an unusual story. Anytime, if I'd know that, I would have put that in my Super Bowl memories column. Save it for next year, John. You know you're going to do that again and save it for next year. I'll, you know what, John? I'll do one of those little guest like insets on your on your article. You know, sometimes in like big articles, I'll have a box with like little yeah, side info and stuff. Little sidebars. Yeah, little sidebar. My my, I'll tell you what. One of my favorite Super Bowl memories is John. As long as we're taking this trip down memory lane, tell people this all the time. Rob O'Neill at the Super Bowl, the last Super Bowl in Phoenix. Don't say in fact. another word because okay. that's the one I'm talking about. Okay, okay, gotcha. I, I remember, when, and, I remember and, you feeding him to our show, and it was one of the coolest things ever. Well, people have to read the column to find out what you're talking about. Find out who he is, because the name probably does not ring a bell. All right. Well, that's a good tease right there, John. It's a great tease that we just did. Thank you. Okay, good. Now i got to go read this column. Good. Um, John, what do you got going on on your various platforms? Besides Super Bowl memories on uh, gallerysports.com, I am working on one. Donnie Anderson, a Packers running back, first-round pick, first two Super Bowls he played in them. And he's telling stories about uh, the game at that point, uh, about playing for Lombardi, about knocking out Freddie the Hammer Williamson, the chief safety, who bragged all week he's going to take out the Packers receivers. And I love history, and going down memory lane with somebody who actually experienced it just blows me away. And then I'm going to have more columns the next two days, and I have on uh, gallerysports.com, then I have one on uh, sportsradio610.com about 
D'Amico and Casario and what they need to do on both sides of the ball and how they should go about it. 